Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, design and development, retail, consumer goods, and tech industries. I'm so excited to welcome Yad Senapathy, founder and CEO of PMTI, Project Management Training Institute, and honestly, the biggest reason for me passing the PMP exam to the podcast. Yad, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast with me today. Please take a brief moment to introduce yourself before we dive in. Definitely. Um, and thank you very much for um, having me on your podcast. I know it's very popular. A lot of people uh, you know, listen to this um, and you bring so much value to the project management industry thank through you. this podcast. So thank you for having me um, on here. Uh, my name is Yat Sinapati, um, and um, I am the founder and CEO of Project Management Training Institute, PMTI. Um, I've been at this for about um, 18 years. Um, you know, uh, briefly, um, what else would you like to know, and like, you know, where I'm from and Gosh, yes. I, I know you bring a plethora of experience that we'll tap into today. I think this week's topic is really a focus on you, Yad, because I, I am such a big fan of yours. You are active on LinkedIn. You are constantly in the know of project management trends and, and what's going on with our industry. So if it's okay with you, this week's topic is actually just going to spotlight yourself, your knowledge, and maybe uh, we don't have to dig into your background because we're going to do that as we, as we carry on with the conversation. But uh, I think uh, I wanted to start off with how you became the PMP Jedi Master. I think for those of you who follow Yad on LinkedIn, you'll see he has uh, the official title of PMP Jedi Master, which for me, being a big Star Wars fan, is incredible. I would also like to know how you became a Jedi Master. So for those of us who are not familiar, please let us know, you know how you came up with that title, how you were able to become who you are today. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very much, Anne. So, you know, as you know, uh, you know, I get a kick out of uh, teaching the PMP certification classes. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get to talk about the genesis of PMTI and what my interest is and how it has, you know, grown to where it is now. Um, so I live here in Dallas. Um, um, I lived for about 18 years in Detroit, relocated to uh, Dallas about um, 11 years ago. So I was finishing up a class um, here in our, our Dallas um, office conference room. And one of our students, Steve, um, was part of the class. You know, all of our classes are very intense. We mm -hmm. kind of go through all of the content. You've been part of it. You know the drill. And it's, oh, yeah. it's exciting. It's challenging. It is uh, lots of fun. Um, so like all of the students, he was all, you know, immersed into this class, paying full attention, uh, scoring. And of course, you know, there were a lot of these nice, good, uh, you know, project management jabs back and forth um, and wonderful conversations that were going on in the class. So I finished the class. Uh, I, I guess, you know, I didn't realize who all were taking the exam, um, but Apparently he took the exam on Friday and he passed it. And on Sunday, he sent me a note, uh, copied everybody in the class and said, yeah, you are the Jedi master of <laughs> first pass success with the PMP exam. Now, um, 
I've had uh, I've had other titles. Um, I still remember there was one student um, in Detroit, um, and, and that I'm talking about 2004 and five, when PMI used to actually give you a score at the end of the exam, like you made 153 out of 200 or 140 wow. out of 200, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we had a you know in our uh, company we would conduct uh, tests in the class pick their scores, conduct some statistical analysis on it, and pr- have a predictive score on what they are likely to make in the PMP exam. So I had one of these students um, who said, uh, uh, and uh, we predicted he was going to make 153 in the exam. And he came out exactly on the dot at 153. Wow. Uh, he came back and he said, yeah, you're the god. I said, no, a tough job, a, you know, probably thankless job. Uh, <laughs> no, but the Jedi Master, um, um, uh, title from Steve, I think that was something that I was going to latch on to. So uh, the reason I thought it was good is because my first name, Yad, which is actually short for Yadagiri, uh, kind of goes with Yoda, you yeah. know, the Jedi Master. <laughs> so, um, and interestingly, I also have a short statue, you know. Um, <laughs> so everyone in my company kept calling me Yada, the PMP Jedi Master, and it sort of became a pseudonym with my students. Uh, my employees even gifted me a green Yoda plush hat oh, with those wow. quirky ears. <laughs> so now I so now I when I get into the class, uh, and here's my my hat actually. You know, since you can see me here on the oh, screen, that's fantastic. Yes, <laughs> I've got this. So. Um, um, so now I can tell my students, pass, you will PMP. Yes, I've, it's absolutely true, and. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I have taken the boot camp through PMTI. I've had colleagues and friends who have also gone through it. And honestly, it's it, an experience in itself, right? And I, I wanted to dig in a little bit about the origins of PMTI. You know, what is it about the PMP exam that really attracted you to wanting to build your own business around passing the exam? For me, again, it was a very unique experience. It is exactly what it says it is. It's a boot camp. You are not just sitting around for four days. You are intensely studying with a group of like-minded people who are also very eager and hungry to pass the exam. And the way that the, the, the structure of the classes is formatted, I am a huge fan of it. I think it just makes sense that you are continuing to process information every day. And Yad pointed it out, the pass rate, is incredible. Uh, of the times that I, and I, I am at fault here, I have taken the PMP exam twice, which means I have gone through your boot camp twice, Yad, because that was my fault. I let it lapse. Yeah. But I also have a good friend who also took the exam. He passed on the, uh, on the fifth day. So the pass rate is just astronomical in terms of you are the Jedi master for us apprentices apprentices who are wanting to pass the PMP exam. So tell me a little bit more about PMTI. I would love to hear some stories about that. It's, it's always good to hear from the Padawans and the PMP vans, if you will. And, yes. Um, as a matter of fact, we just had um, a meeting with PMI on the pass rate, and they told us that we are one of the highest, you know, uh, we, are the com- we are one of the companies with the highest passing rate. Um, we also have one of the most successful take rate, apparently, and uh, their director actually had a conversation with me on what we do. So wow. the best practices can be taken um, and, and, and used to improve project management proficiency. 
So let's dig a little bit uh, back. You know, um, you know, I came to uh, this country from India 30 years ago on a scholarship to Kansas State University. Um, and um, I was working in the automotive industry. I wanted to be a, a, um, um, a mechanical engineer, which is what I became. But then um, I had all these ideas that I wanted to push through. I was taking a lot of time. So I went out and started my own companies. Um, one of those companies that I had was a tech company called Imagine Works that I started while I was in Detroit um, in roughly 1990s, mm -hmm. uh, prior to starting PMTI. Uh, however, then, you know, the dot-com burst occurred, you know, around roughly 2000 or so. But the automotive industry didn't get affected until like roughly about 2002 and 2003, which, you know, obviously pulled the carpet right from under the feet of my company. And, you know, uh, we had to shut the doors. Um, yeah. And of course, I was, I had to move into a one bedroom apartment with a pillow in my hand. So I started looking for management positions that I can get employed into um, uh, as a result of that, just so I can continue uh, having a livelihood. Even in 2001 and 2002, and PMP wasn't super popular at that time, sure. as I was looking for these job positions, I've noticed that these positions desired the PMP certification. Now, lately, you'll see PMP certification as a requirement, or you'll see uh, CSM as a requirement, uh, you mm -hmm. know, but at that time, it was kind of desired. And I started looking around and I said, you know, I should probably get this to make myself look attractive on my resume. So I started looking around to take a course because, you know, I've had a company and I know that a service that is done well can accelerate somebody's career and, right. you know, can put you so far ahead, miles ahead. So having just hit rock bottom with my company and, you know, barely having any funds in my bank, and I'm in a hurry to develop and advance my career, I was hunting for an affordable and a reputable course. So first of all, because it was still growing, the technology industry was simply taking on the PMP certification, uh, trying to come out of the dot conversion and ad adapt and adopt all of these ideas into mm -hmm. technology field. There were not that many courses in the first place. And among those that were there, most were super, super expensive. Uh, most of them were costing well over $3,000. The, the worst part was none of those that I could even eyeball guaranteed success. So mm. I, was, I was sitting here at this crossroads trying to get a job and move ahead. Nothing was affordable, nothing that I could take and, and move forward. So I looked at this and I said, that's a huge problem to solve, right? So the interesting thing was I was like any other project manager, you know, with my companies, I've done a lot of tech projects, uh, you know, uh, pharmaceutical projects, chemical uh, plant projects, which I've had as companies before. Mm -hmm. So like any good project manager, I knew the ins and outs. Um, I knew the mechanics, how to, how to get the project moving forward to the end goal. But what I needed was something that would get me into the PMI mindset, right? To think about how to crack this examination. I knew that project management was a critical component of it, but you got to get into this mindset. 
And then I also knew that this was a mind-wrenching exam, you know, uh, four hour long with, you know, almost yeah. putting you to, you know, to, to serious test. So I was not willing to pay for these expensive courses at that time because I just didn't have the money. Although I knew that something of that nature would seriously, you know, advance my preparation. So I said, you know, first of all, there's a whole bunch of issues with the courses out there. So I said, I'm gonna devise my own strategy and make myself a scapegoat. So first of all, I recognized it's a PMP is a standardized exam. And thankfully I had a great advantage. Um, I have aced through, several standardized examinations back in India, very, very competitive examinations wow. uh, for engineering institutions. I was in the top 300 uh, for um, an engineering entrance examination. And I also aced uh, the, the GRE, the graduate record examination and the TOEFLs exceptionally well to get a scholarship and a teaching assistantship from Kansas State University several years ago. Um, so, I knew how to crack the standardized examinations really well. So I had sort of like, think of it as a mind toolbox uh, in my garage up here in my head. Yeah. Yep. So um, nearly broke and hungry for a career upgrade, I took the situation and said, okay, similar to what, uh, you know, think of it as what most project managers are in a current post COVID situation, right? You know, everybody is depleted, lots of funds, you know, maybe in between jobs, you know, jobs are far and few between, and I'm hungry. So I battle heads down um, into my preparation, combining my project management skills and my test taking skills mm -hmm. to prepare for this tough exam and developed a whole bunch of strategies by completely analyzing this exam inside out. Now we are talking 2003, when the exam had a very notorious reputation for difficulty, sure. uh, as you know, you know, you mm -hmm. took, uh, you know, twice, so it still does, but it did change quite a bit lately. And needless to say, I came out of the exam with flying colors, um, but um, I, I didn't want to take it as, as proof. So I said, okay, I'm going to test my technique. So I got a few family members and some of my friends um, and it worked like magic it worked like magic so i said i think we have something going here right yeah so what i didn't know was whether i could translate it into something that i would enjoy doing i think it it was clear that there was a gap in the industry to to fill very clear sure. to me uh what was not clear to me is you know i i've always been a, a person where if i didn't like something i just wouldn't do it because if i I, I knew that I would go gung-ho, you know, head on and, and have, you know, fun doing what I need to do. So mm -hmm. I wanted to figure out if this is something I could enjoy. So luckily, I also had great teaching experience because, uh, because I did very well in standardized tests. I taught um, in my teens to uh, several folks wow. um, in what are called, called as, uh, you know, um, uh, tuition uh, institutions as well as um, I was a teaching assistant at Kansas State. So I had that background. So kind of did, uh, so I took uh, my whole idea, although there was not much of that scrum idea, but I actually did an MVP uh, by, uh, you know, doing, picking up the phone and doing cold calling, picking, mm -hmm. asking some friends to come, some family to come and doing a demo training to them. They were delighted the way that I was presenting. Uh, not only did was it incredible fun for me to help them learn in this demo of roughly one and a half to two hours, but I received brilliant comments. Uh, nearly all of them signed up. 
Uh, even at that time, you know, we were charging, you know, we started off with $1,500 at that time, very competitive competing, you know, competing with the $3,500, no right. guarantees and all that. And they all passed on the first try. Amazing. So, so what happened was they started sending their, their referrals and they said, yeah, you know, uh, the price is great, but I think, you know, even at that, you know, uh, you know, we, of course, you know, the, the, uh, that was our introductory price, but we shipped, you know, moved it to 2,500. And right at the outset, I said, listen, if we are going to charge, um, you know, a decent money, I wanted to bring a level of fairness and responsibility that didn't exist in the project management training industry, a level of transparency. Mm. So we became, PMTI became one of the first few companies to build upon the trust of their customers. And we offered and popularized the 100% money back guarantee for the first time. And I think the, I'm, I'm seriously proud of this achievement because there are so many companies that followed along our path. So you see a ton of companies nowadays that offer the same thing. We were among the first couple. Uh, the rest is history, of course, as you know. Um, I, I'd be honest with you, you know, the, the feather in my cap, of course, you know, besides PMTI is that uh, Kansas State University, which offered me um, the, a ticket to come to this country, uh, you know, my father scraped everything that he had um, yeah. in his life to buy a ticket to me here. Uh, Kansas State offered me the wonderful scholarship and TA. Wow. Uh, uh, last month, Kansas State called me and asked me to become part of their board. I, I, I think I've come full circle. Wow. Paying back and I'm you know, by way of going, you know, paying back to, to the university that has, uh, uh, you know, that has welcomed me with open arms. Such an incredible story. And, you know, not only the university, but you have, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of people who have taken your service who are indebted to you in terms of you being able to share your breadth of knowledge of just not letting the exam be so daunting, right? I think that's that's definitely something that the company does well. And I, I thank you for sharing that story. That, that was amazing. And I think for those of you who have not um, seen the incredible work of PMTI, I think you bring up a great point about the guarantee in terms of being a customer and knowing that you stand behind your product so much so that if it doesn't work for you, you're willing to give people their money back. And I think there's definitely some reassurance as a customer knowing that you believe in it that much. And honestly, I can't say any more good things about PMTI just because, again, I'm just one of many who are very appreciative of the methodology that you use to help us pass the PMP. So go ahead. Great accolades. And and I think, you know, it worked out in our favor as well. And, you know, so when we offered this money back guarantee, um, eventually we also figured out this, this kept our instructors, the company, our customer service, our sales team, everybody on their toes because, um, Mm Um, not only did we lose the money, but we lost every, uh, you know, effort, money, time that we have put into already getting them to the finish line. And sure. that would be gone and we return all the money. Um, and of course, you know, you know, built our reputation uh, tremendously in the industry. Uh, and I think uh, when uh, PMI was asking us recently, what's the reason for your big, uh, you know, take rate? I, I told them it's part of our culture because mm-hmm. we have we have kind of always offered this guarantee. The only way we can make sure that we win on our investment 
is by making sure that every student comes into our company, takes our course, goes out, takes this examination, passes it, um, you know, if not the first try, but within definitely within the first three tries. And, and that's the way that we succeed. Right, right. And, and you, you highlighted a big reason why even just the exam itself is important, right? The reason why you took it was you wanted to kind of prove to yourself that you are the project manager that you knew yourself to be. You wanted to kind of stand out within the industry, within the community, and really showcase your, your skills. And I think for many of us, um, that is what we are ultimately trying to achieve. And as the, the PM pool grows bigger and bigger, right? I think PM, I said, we're P, uh, project management industry is expanding by 33% or some um, uh, very high number globally, that as we kind of see this evolution of project management happen, that having that certification is even more important. So I think, yeah, I think I, I want to transition us into talking about kind of the, the future of the project management industry. Um, I'm aware that a talent gap report was just released by PMI not too long ago, maybe a few minutes ago. So maybe we can dig in there and get your initial thoughts on where you see the industry growing. Fabulous thoughts. And I think, you know, um, you know, I, I think you're, uh, you're spot on with where project management is going. And I think what I, what I really like about PMI is they're open. They actually recognize as project management evolves, they conduct lots of studies, they embrace um, even, you know, uh, challengers like, for example, Scrum, Agile, Crystal, mm -hmm. adaptive philosophies, they embrace them, they adapt, adopt them. And the new examination from what we are hearing from our students is significantly Agile-centric. Um, and we have get, as, as I told you, we're getting great, uh, you know, uh, results out of that. Um, and, and I'm glad that you brought this talent gap report out. It's, you know, uh, it's June 16th and PMI just, I, I mean, we just received it. Um, and just before this interview, I was going through it briefly, but it is, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that the project management industry, now remember, you know, um, the typical reason people would uh, go into this uh, project management industry or project management industry or even get the certification is to validate their experience. Mm -hmm. And I usually tell my students, listen, when you get this certification, don't assume that the certification gets you the job. What the certification would do is it'll open the door for you. Eventually, you got to sell yourself. Right. You know, um, but it opens a lot of doors. It's going to 10x, 20x the number of doors that open up. And needless to say, you will land the most lucrative position that you're ever going to land or grow to the best position that you could within a company. And this um, idea gets so much more support from this talent gap report where PMI basically says there's now 19 million project-oriented employees. That's a huge, huge increase. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, about five years ago, uh, just before the Olympics were being planned and all that, uh, the generic number that was being floated around was 25 to 30 million. This is a huge number, massive, significant increase. And I think this goes to prove that project management is no longer a skill, it's an actual profession. And that's mm. a massive shift in perspective. 
Right. Um, and I and PMI is saying that by 2030, there's going to be 77 million project management uh, practitioners, employees who will be retiring. And that leaves a gaping black hole, if you will, that needs to be filled. So um, everybody from Gen Z to, uh, you know, um, um, everybody needs mm-hmm. to start looking at project management as an area to get into, um, you know, uh, uh, MBAs in project management could be good, but you know certifications of the nature that we're talking about, uh, PMP, CAPM, ACP, Certified Scrum Master, even uh, the Google certificate that they've recently launched, these are all wonderful opportunities yeah. uh, and, and that you can get into in project management. Now, companies may be looking at this and they're saying, what's in it for us, right? So from an individual perspective, clearly uh, there's this huge employment opportunity, but from an organizational perspective, um, and this applies to companies all the way from Apple, Amazon, uh, down to mom and pop shops with five, six employees, particularly with uh, WFM that are ready to disrupt industries. Uh, Big companies cannot, you know, close their eyelids and because they are going to be disrupted if they do. $54 billion purely in project management industry apparently are at risk without good philosophies, systems, methodologies, procedures, and guidelines related to taking unique, tangible, innovative efforts to the finish line. Amazing. Uh, that's a huge opportunity. That's a huge opportunity. It is. It is. And, you know, we're seeing the shift that you brought up in an earlier point in terms of you can now, as a younger generation, obviously, path out your plan to become a project manager from undergraduate studies all the way through certification, through master's programs. And maybe even one day we see a PhD in project management. Who knows? But I think. The, the doors are expanding in terms of every opportunity you can take to actually chart out your path from the beginning, whereas many of us found ourselves in a project management role almost accidentally. Um, so there's the shift that's happening in the industry where you have people who had been doing PM for quite a long time, but it maybe was not what we went to school for. And then you have this generation that is now coming up that will be able to fill that 30% or so of expected uh, openings when folks retire in 2030 to be able to fill that gap that you're, you're calling out yet. And so that it's going to be very interesting to, to really see that dynamic shift between those of us who have been doing this, but fell into it. And those of uh, the, that contingency now that's actually going to school with the purpose of graduating with a project management title, some sort of certification or, or whatnot. Completely, completely. And most of us, like you said, you know, have learned it from the brass tacks, you know, from, you know, ground up, uh, from the weeds, building our own spreadsheets, tools, templates, systems, learning leadership skills, negotiating skills. But the new gen doesn't have to worry about it. There's a full-fledged roadmap laid out in front of them. Mm. If you want to get kind of simply a technical skill set, there's, the you know, um, lots of courses in all over the MOOCs that you can go to. But if you want to really refine it, take it to a level where you can leverage uh, this industry and maximize your ROI, there's this wonderful certifications. Um, we've had students who come with MBAs um, 
and couldn't break in and the certification can dramatically shift Absolutely. them, catapult their career to a totally different level. I agree. I think nothing stands out more than having one of the certifications next to your name. It gives you, again, credibility, validation, and it's a globally recognized, right? So this is where, as project managers are needed all over the world, you can have this certification that is just recognized by all. So um, kind of to, to, to round out this, this conversation yet, I know that things are changing, right, in our industry. And one of the biggest changes that's happening is the PMBOK, our project management body of knowledge. It's the PMP exam. And you being the PMP Jedi master, I just wanted to tap into your initial thoughts on some of the changes that are happening with the exam. What do you expect to see in the upcoming guide, the seventh edition? And and how is this ultimately impacting the industry? Very, very, very good question. Awesome question. Um, Now, um, right off the bat, I think you mentioned two things in that question. One is the PMBOK guide 7th edition. And the other thing you mentioned is the PMP exam, uh, the 2021 examination. There's a general misunderstanding in the industry that these two changes are tied to one another uh, when they are not. As a matter of fact, I'm a, yeah. So I'm a Forbes um, exclusive contributor uh, for the PMP industry, and I've written an article on Forbes um, on the changes to the 2021 exam. The 2021 exam change, uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the exam and then uh, get into the changes that have occurred in the PIMBA Guide 7th edition. So that way, you know, we can kind of delineate how these two are different um, and how they are also related, but, you know, the examination has to be looked at it independently. So the 2021 exam change occurred um, in response to what is called as a role delineation study uh, where where PMI puts together a group of experts to study and evolve the areas of knowledge and the skills that project managers use in their day-to-day life, right? The, The nuts and bolts of their daily life. Now, what this group does is they go, they interview, and then they make some recommendations. Now, based on these recommendations, PMI develops a a PMP exam outline. So this becomes the structure around which the examination is crafted. So the 2021 PMP exam occurred based on the most recent study, uh, which I believe was released around 2017-18 timeframe. Now, although the new exam and, and, and this new exam, based on this new role delineation study, organized the exam into three categories of process, people, and business environment. Those were the three domains um, switching from the process orientation that we had, which is initiating, planning, executing, controlling, and closing, which was a traditional waterfall system mechan- uh, mechanism that we had, switching from there to a more, uh, a different approach, a different set of domains on, pe- on people, process, and business environment. Uh, now, naturally, because of pandemic, the switch to this new paradigm has been delayed to start January of 2021. So that's the background behind the exam. The, ba- the, the examination is still based on, uh, although the domains have changed, the content still um, has significant relevance to the PIMBOK Guide 6th edition, as well as the accompanying uh, Agile Practice Guide. 
Now, this idea of shift in the way the examination is looking from process orientation to principles orientation also was uh, adopted into the PIMBOK guide um, uh, development. So uh, as you know, and the PIMBOK guide goes through this industry revision roughly every four to five years. Right. There's been about uh, six editions of the PIMBOK guide. The very first one was developed by one of our instructors, uh, Max Weidemann, when he uh, coined, uh, he was one of the persons who uh, came up with the term PIMBOK and eventually built it. Wow. Um, uh, one of our other instructor, uh, instructors, a late Dr. Dennis Bowles, uh, uh, developed the, was a project manager for the third edition. Um, I was a key leader in the, in the fifth edition. And for the, um, uh, so it was founded in 1987 and there's been about six editions so far. Now, all the way into the sixth edition, the PIMBOK guide predominantly addressed the traditional or uh, the, you know, the waterfall, typically what we call as the waterfall um, approach to the project management. Now, roughly around 2019, PMI sent me an email uh, asking, uh, you know, uh, saying that there's opening for subject matter expert reviewers for the PIMBOK Guide 7th edition. Now, when I applied and after several interviews, then I was accepted into the, into the you know, group of roughly you know, 30 or 40 reviewers team and several other teams that they were building. I wasn't quite prepared Amazing. and didn't understand the, the significant shift that PMI and, and, and that was gonna happen in the project management industry. I, I can tell you that based on what I do know, although it's not released yet, but it's coming up in just about a couple of months, the changes in the PIMBOK guide are groundbreaking and progressive to the core. And I want to wow. give the listeners uh, the inside story on how this is all broken up. Uh, the typical understanding has always been that the PIMBOK guide is the only go-to place and that's where you'll find everything. What PMI did with this new approach is they said, we'll separate this into two things. Well, we're gonna separate the PIMBOK guide and make the presentation in the PIMBOK guide from a process-driven approach to a principles-based approach. So the natural next question is, but wait a minute, yeah. You know, you can talk about all the principles similar to, for example, the Agile Manifesto principles in Scrum, But end of the day, you got to put it to practice. We got to have a framework around which we work and that 49 processes in the sixth edition, what's going to happen to that? So the idea of applying these principles is very different than the principles themselves. So the application of that was was not divorced, but has been anchored into another tool called Standards Plus. And I'll talk Mm. about that in a few minutes. This idea isn't known to everybody yet. And this is where you need to clearly differentiate these two, meaning the principles and the performance domains became part of the PIMBOK guide and the standard that goes with it. Whereas the application portion of that is gonna be built into the new big, huge, uh, extra net that PMI is building called the standards plus. Right? With that background, let me jump a little deeper into it. I want to ensure that even this division, it does not diminish the importance of the 49 processes in the PIMBOK guide or the agile or the scrum philosophy. So the new okay. 2021 edition uh, forces you to look at the pro- at the, at, at the profession and the field of project management from the lens of 
12 universal principles, all right? They crafted this around 12 universal principles. I'm not going to go through all of them, uh, but I'll quickly, you know, touch for another them. podcast, for example. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And, and, and that would be a one thing. Uh, but like, for example, one of the biggest idea is to focus on value. Mm. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of what this trust is, it's just a huge, huge idea. So when you talk about value, projects eventually impact business value and business value right. could be tangible and intangible. And most um, project, typically project managers at, at the levels that they operate in companies do not have the insight, the, the input from, you know, top down input to sure. understand how projects can, can deliver this business value and tangible such as ROI, you know, um, you know, your in, you know, improvement in your shareholder value and all that, those are easy to see, but this intangible value such as, you know, improvement in tech skills, greater customer cooperation, you know, um, progressing in your business, in, in your competitive advantage or, you know, significant, you know, rapid, you know, disruptive growth in customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. These are things that are intangible benefits that need to be organized and understood very well when conducting projects. Likewise, motivating influence. So that's one of the values, for example, focusing on value. This idea not only is in the new PMBOK guide, but it's also in the new, um, you know, ATP, which is, uh, stands for Authorized Training Partners content that we use to train for the new PMP exam. Although they are not tied in, the idea of focusing on value has become part of how PMI looks into the PMBOK guide as well as the new exam. I'll take a look at another value, for example, motivating, influencing, coaching, and learning. Uh, obviously, uh, Scrum, Agile, Crystal, Extreme Programming have done a great job at this, where they empower the team members. They, uh, you know, trust uh, that the team members do their best when they are given the tools that they need to do, and you let them go to perform at their best while continuously, you know, rewarding and recognizing both of which are different and need to be approached from a different, you know, uh, a paradigm and when to do what, how to do it, at what time, to who, and through what you know mechanisms. Thinking through those, influencing, you know, not directing but influencing team members. You don't assign a work to them. You let them decide and let them commit and hold them to their commitment. Right, influencing right. them, coaching them, you know, learning from them. The project manager gets to learn a lot from the team, of course. and the team in turn gets to learn from the customers. There's a lot of, you know, uh, interactivity, this informal and formal learning. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about just on that value. I can go yeah. on for hours on this, right? So there's just 12 values around which the new PMBOK guide, the standard goes around. Now, the standard now translates to the guide. And within the guide are the performance domains of stakeholders, the team, the life cycle of the project, planning, project work, delivery, uncertainty, measurement, and so on. Um, I have this list in front of me, so I'm reading no, no this list, but uh, all these lists uh, is where the meat comes in on how do we take these principles and approach this at each of these performance domains, and uh, that becomes the meat of the PIMBOK guide. 
remember this though, even as we talk about this performance domains, they don't actually get into the, the, the individual works of, okay, here's the inputs, here's the tools and techniques for going ahead and engaging with stakeholders. That's not what it gets into. It doesn't get into the nitty gritty because mm-hmm. those nuts and bolts could change right. because the ingredients of your recipe could change. Right? What this new approach of principles and performance domains allows is recognizing the core concepts which are central to both predictive and adaptive life cycles. So while the previous PIMBAR guides have done a great job in uplifting the project management community knowledge and experience sure. yep. by emphasizing how the waterfall processes come together, the the on the ground philosophies, the seventh edition broadens this out to a project delivery landscape, um, significantly shifting it. So all of the things that we talked about in the pinball guide, we talk about in the scrum, as well as agile adaptive areas become part of this whole philosophy, Mm -hmm. Uh, the principles and the performance guide you on how to approach it. Uh, the one thing I did want to spend a little bit of time on uh, is the Standards Plus. It comes free as part of your PMI membership. I'm not a mouthpiece to PMI, but I really think uh, PMI is doing a great job promoting modern approaches to project management. Yeah. Um, I consult quite a bit uh, with PMI as well as a volunteer um, and, and talking to their leadership on how to you know, incorporate some of these ideas. So if you're a PMI member and didn't know about this, simply go to standardsplus.pmi.org and take advantage of this. It's a growing Wikipedia to say the least, right? Uh, where lots of these new uh, articles, templates, uh, you know, case studies are constantly being input for what you might have previously called ethos. Uh, or the applications of these principles, or for you know principles, uh, whether it's in Scrum, Agile, you know, um, you know, Crystal, Extreme Programming, or the wonderful world of traditional waterfall philosophy. Right. So hopefully right. that's that. That's a long of uh, the whole uh, pinball guide changes that's coming coming in in a couple of months. I feel that you've given given us as listeners of the pod a very beautiful sneak peek as to what's ahead. And I'm absolutely excited just to see what is actually released in the PMBOK, how the PMP exam shifts. And I'm thankful that you have given me the opportunity to see that they are completely different entities, right? In terms of they don't change together, but it just so happens that this go around, they happen to be around the same time, but I'm absolutely excited about what's going to happen. Uh, in the body of knowledge, um, looking forward to seeing what the seventh edition has in store for us that are just eager to continue to learn about what's happening in our industry and keep abreast of all the latest information. Yad, you are my, honestly, one of my sole sources of what's going on in the industry. So I am very much appreciative of you sharing your knowledge and and experiences with us today. Um, I think that will do it. For, for this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. It's honestly been a, an honor and a pleasure to have you on, Yad. You've been wonderful. I would love to have you back on when the seventh edition debuts, just to hear your actual thoughts on, on the, uh, the PMBOK when it comes out and, and give our listeners a little bit more insight into how that came to be. But thank you so much for joining me. Excellent. Thank you. And, and I'm looking forward to you know, sharing more things as, as, as things come along. Um, you know, happy to be on this podcast and thanks for having me.
very thankful of your time today, Yad. And if folks want to continue the conversation with you and learn from the PMP Jedi master himself, where they where can they find you online? Well, they can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, I write quite a bit on LinkedIn. Um, I share a lot of um, ideas on emerging topics, uh, trends in project management. Uh, they can also look me up on uh, on our website, www. Uh, 4pmti.com. That's number 4pmti.com. I write quite a few uh, blog posts. Um, and I also um, sometimes write on Medium. So um, quite a few areas that, that I talk about um, that, that you can find me online. Absolutely worth a follow. You, you always come up with these, these uh, topics that I am absolutely interested in, some of them which I've covered on the podcast myself. So thank you again for your time today, Ad. You guys can also find me on LinkedIn if you'd like to give me a follow as well to continue this conversation. Definitely support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The Everyday PM podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, and most podcasting platforms. That will do it for Yad and I. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Until next time, take care.